Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast 2018. We are back, coming up in episode one of the new year. The big Europa League clash between Ostersunds and Arsenal, a monumental occasion for the Swedish Minnows. We completely preview the match in full detail from top to bottom. It's not just a football story, it's a, it's a fairy tale story. I think he'll be a real danger for Arsenal. He's um, getting better and better. Whoever's on the right, right hand side there defending against Ken Summer, I think he'll be in for a game. We're joined by special guest Pete Atla Grove, a big Arsenal fan, blogger, and podcaster. He's going to give us the angle from an Arsenal point of view. I think Arsenal are an incredibly weak team when it comes to mentality. And if teams get at us early doors and a few decisions don't go our way, like you could be on course um, for a disaster. There's still quite a few weeks until the start of the season in Norway and Sweden, but we're going to be talking about some of the winter transfers that have taken place in both the Elite Serie and Altamensky. A lot of people who listen to this podcast know I'm not a big fan of Bender, and I will admit to that. Sunderland is going to give you a lot more heart, desire, determination. If the chips are down on a tough game and you're 1-0 down, I would much rather have Sunderland in my team. And finally, we've got some news and an appeal to you guys out there about the future of the Nordic Football Podcast for this year and beyond. It's nice that we've found a community of people and supporters who who have um, kind of joined us so far. We've you know we've really enjoyed creating that little community. And, yeah. yeah. Anyone who wants to kind of support us in a financial way is, is really going to help. Hello everyone and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast 2018. It's great to be back. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba. We had a great debut year last year and uh, we're hoping to push on to bigger, better things this season. Uh, this is our first episode for a few months, uh, so I guess my first question to you, John, is uh, how has the winter break been treating you? Winter is here, Steve, and uh, I'm delighted to be back on the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, yeah, really excited about the 2018 season and uh, the months ahead and um, talking with you so yeah no really really happy to be back I've been in I've been enjoying the winter watching different leagues and that kind of thing but there is that itch there is that kind of itch of just missing Swedish football a little bit and um, pre-season's kicking in now and obviously Norway as well season's approaching soon in March so yeah what better way to get back into the Nordic football podcast than uh, with one of the biggest games in Swedish football for over over a decade Ostersunds and Arsenal yeah, fantastic fixture to uh, come back onto, and um, uh, absolutely agree with you. Really looking forward to uh, our collaboration uh, this year again. Uh, big thank you to all the rec- regular listeners from uh, last season. But for those who, who don't know uh, uh, that much about us, then uh, we're both uh, football analysts. Um, John's main speciality league uh, in the Nordic area is uh, Sweden, and I'm the Norwegian expert. 
And basically, uh, we've had a collection of uh, great interviews, uh, discussions, match analysis, previews, uh, everything really, player profiles last season. So we're going to do exactly the same this year, aren't we, John? Yeah, it's been a really encouraging start, I think, really. If we're reviewing uh, the, the, the previous season, we had uh, some of the top managers in, in Scandinavia, obviously, on the show, appearing on the show. Two of them English, but they've since departed their clubs, haven't they? Um, two of them both actually got relegated. Uh, but we've still got many, many top uh, people we've had on the show. And we, we've, got, we've been planning some really special guests to come this season. And um, yeah, behind the scenes, the work's been going on and, and we're looking forward to it. For those who don't really know, what, you know kind of what we do, but yeah. Analysis is our background and, and kind of scouting, that kind of thing. So we'll, we bring you really in-depth profiles of players. One of the good things we've had this so far this winter is uh, quite a lot of the players we focused in Talent Corner last season have, have made quite high-profile moves, haven't they, Steve? So, yeah, hopefully that shows that we, we've got our fingers on the pulse. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm personally really excited to be back on the show. So, yeah, what have we got for Season 2, Episode 1 then, my friend? Well, we've got a uh, talk of uh, Norwegian transfers a bit later. We've got a great uh, section interview uh, about Arsenal with uh, at Le Grove. Um, so really looking forward to that one. Uh, but obviously, we're, the main reason we're back at this stage now is for this big match, Ossersunds against Arsenal. A uh, huge fixture for the uh, Swedish outfit. And I mean, a few years ago, this would have been almost an impossible dream for a club like Ossersons, but they've gone on under an incredible journey recently under the management of uh, Graham Potter. And uh, just take us through it briefly, John. Yeah, you're right in saying that. And this is a story, really. I mean, it's a fairy tale story, to be honest. It's it's not just a football story. It's a, it's a fairy tale story about a man who up sticks and moved his entire family to a remote part of northern Sweden in the middle of nowhere and... and really has proceeded to build a, a legacy that has really enriched the lives of the supporters and given a town of no more than roughly 50,000 people immense pride and joy. Um, as I mentioned, this isn't really simply a football story. It's a story about life and what can be achieved when a group of people who've been put together, banded from all over the world, different parts of the world, far-flung places such as Iraq and, you know, Ghana and no matter you know you name it this is a real you know England as well like the lower non-leagues of England and everything and they've all been brought together um, and and worked towards a common goal guided by sort of Graham Potter the man who's who's whose emphasis on kind of freedom of expression and and positivity and you know trying to get the best out of everybody um, has has really propelled them on this journey towards this common goal which is Sort of culminated now in, in a real lifetime memory against such a massive club like Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, in terms of actually qualifying for this Europa League, they got in by winning the Swedish Cup a couple of years ago, didn't they? I mean, that in itself was quite an incredible run. Yeah, and you know, like I said, this is—I mean, this is a team who wasn't founded when Arsene Wenger was uh, appointed manager of Arsenal. They Ostersunds didn't exist in its current form. They were brought together, um, you know, they amalgamated by a group of a group of clubs were amalgamated. I think IFK Ostersund, Ope IF and Torvala FF. They all form, they all merged basically, regional clubs um, in 1997. Uh, 1996 they all formed and then played their first competitive matches in 1997. So, you know, by that time, Arsene Wenger had already taken charge of Arsenal. So, you know, this is the team that's basically, you know, really just been brought together. Uh, Graham Potter took charge of the club in, in 2011 and since then, you know, they've gone from the fourth fourth tier of Swedish football, uh, gone all the way up through the leagues 
finished fifth now in the All Svenska last season, which was their highest ever league position. And yeah, like you said, won the Swedish Cup, um, first major trophy in their history. They've managed this, as I mentioned, you know, mainly propelled by Potter and, and the people around him as well. Uh, and also the chairman, obviously, um, who's, who deserves credit, Daniel Kinberg, for, for the visions they've had. I mean, I'd like to talk about their kind of methods, and I know it's been written about a fair amount, but yeah, I'd like to sort of touch on, you know, what's made Graham Potter so special, because it's not only just good tactics and good scouting, that kind of thing. This is a real sort of human project that's um, quite unorthodox in some ways and, and has really been unique in, in many aspects. Yeah, he, he, I've seen him talk in interviews about not just coaching football, but actually man-managing players in different forms. And there's been a few quirky things that have come out of this before, haven't they, John? Um, to do with the dramatic performances, for example. Yeah, I mean, one thing I really like about Graham Potter and, and the story is his emphasis on cultural work and his, his um, determination to bring every last ounce out of people and, and actually focus on the relationship between you know, people and um, the, you know, the club. I mean, I, I've re I read a really good book called um, Edge by Ben Littleton. Uh, and there's a chapter in it about Ostersons and it's basically about what kind of um, methods he, he uses. And I mean, one of the things he Potter says in it is that, you know, he, he values people and he values relationships. And his job, as he tells it, is to understand and help them improve. Um, and he says that, you know, for him, it's not about winning matches or winning titles. It's about whether you can affect someone's life in a positive way. And, you know, that, that line really s stood out to me in, in the book and in, in the sort of talk about Potter. Um, it's about trying to get the best out of people in a positive way and affect their lives positively. He's done many cultural things. And, you know, one of them that I, I just want to briefly touch upon is um, he, he had something called, I mean, there's been the Swan Lake production, which has been well publicised. The entire squad, coaching staff, everybody, you know, tea ladies, they all had to put on a performance of Swan Lake for the town, uh, which went down well. You know, they had to do singing and dancing and things they were completely unfamiliar with. Um, but what I really liked is one chapter, one part in the book talks about something called a privilege walk. And basically he hired like a cultural director to make the squad aware of their different lives and how maybe some of them have lived in more privileged conditions than others. So what he did is he, he got everyone together and he put them in a, in a line and he lined up the entire squad and basically said you know, a series of questions which began with sort of, if you, are, if you are a white male, take one step forward. If there have been times in your life when you skipped a meal because there was no food in the house, take one step backwards. If you have visible or invisible disabilities, take one step backwards. If you attended school with people you felt were like yourself, take one step forwards. If you grew up in an urban setting, take one step backwards. And the list basically went on. They, they, you know, this is like an exercise they did. It was like, if you've ever been the victim of physical violence based on your gender, ethnicity or age, or sexual orientation, take one step backwards. And it carried on, you know, if you've, ever, if you've come from a supportive family, take one step forwards. You know, if English is your first language, take one step forwards. If you've been divorced or impacted by divorce, take one step back. And he carried this on. And basically some players would end up at the back of the room and some players would end up right at the front of the room and had lived lives of, you know, immense privilege that they perhaps didn't even realise. And then there were other players who were right at the back, you know, that lived really sort of challenging and difficult lives where they'd had all these obstacles. And Potter's method and, and the point there was kind of like they're all in the same place, they're all in the same team, and they've all had to overcome different obstacles or maybe had different privileges. And um, 
that kind of emphasizes how this is like a human project and it's not necessarily purely about football and who's got the best squad, who's got the best team. Um, and that was something that really stood out for me in, in the book and, and emphasizes the kind of unorthodox methods he has really, which have, have propelled this team and brought the kind of togetherness where they've gone flying through the leagues and, and, and now reached the last 32 of the um, Europa League. Yeah, he's a really interesting uh, character, Graham Potter. And um, I did notice when the Stoke City job became available, he was the third favourite with the bookies for quite a long period of time. Just quickly before we move on, do you think he was ready or is ready to actually manage in the Premier League? For me, without question. I think um, he's mentioned in recent interviews as well that the methods he has in Ossesons wouldn't necessarily translate to um, you know, the Premier League. I think it would be probably quite difficult to do something like the privilege walk in the Premier League. You might get the players looking at you a bit funny when they, they're all millionaires kind of thing. But, um, you know, at the same time, team building and squad building is, is, is an integral part of any any club, isn't it? And so from that point of view and the things he's done, I don't see any reason. I suppose the the question mark about Potter, if we were talking about the future and Premier League management, for example, and can he translate this to a different league is... Well, you won't get five years in the Premier League to build a squad, to build a team. Um, Potter's driven nine hours previously through through Sweden to scout one player. Um, he talks about how his wife has questioned him several times. He, you know, up sticks, move the family. You know, they, they've faced some difficult challenges getting to this point. Um, and in the Premier League, it's it's very cutthroat, isn't it? You you get oh, three or four yeah. games and you're gone. Just that's um, Frank Labour, and you know, um, you don't even get. He didn't get five weeks, did he? Let alone five months. Exactly. Uh, but things like you know, he he's spot on on football things too, like scouting tactics. The the team style of play is really enterprising. I think for me, they're probably one of the most entertaining teams to watch in Sweden. So, I do think he will and does have the ability to manage in the Premier League. I guess it's just a, it's not as simple as it. it won't be as straightforward as this project. This is a a unique once in a lifetime opportunity, which potentially culminates with this Arsenal game if they can um, if they get knocked out or. Who knows, they could actually go through, as some people think. Yeah, let's talk about Ostersons on the field now. And uh, to actually get to this stage, they've, uh, well, they've had a number of giant killings, starting back in the qualifying rounds. Galatasaray spring to mind. And they had a fairly difficult uh, Europa League group as well, but they managed to come through it with flying colours. How has Potter... Um, managed to do this on the field in the Europa League. What sort of style and tactics are we going to expect from him in this in this first leg against Arsenal? Do you think, John? Yeah, it's a good question, Steve. I think the main the main issue really is the fact that Ostersund's last competitive league game was in November, um, and since then they've only played two Europa League games, uh, or to the qualifying for the last thirty two. First Swedish team to do so for, for over 10 years. And um, bonus points to whoever can tell us in on Twitter at Nordic Footpod who, who was the team before them to do it. But yeah, the you know they've only played a Swedish Cup game last Friday, I think it was. And those are their only three main games, apart from a handful of friendlies. So there will be a bit of ring rust. They've also lost a few important players. Fuad Bashiru has gone to Malmo uh, for a quite hefty fee, really, which I think is good business, but at the same time, They've lost a key player there and also Gabriel Somi has left. But they have been active in the market as well and there'll be some new players on, on show. Um, but yeah, in terms of their tactical approach, you'd probably expect a, a kind of a 3-4-3. Three, three. Potter tends to either go for a 3-4-3, three, three, a 3-5-2 three, or a 4-4-2. Um, but 
from their most recent fixtures that they've played, I, I would probably expect a, a three-five-two um, with you know three-man backline. Obviously, uh, I think Papagiannopoulos, who's a highly rated player, um, Tom Pettersson uh, will, will anchor the back line. Um and then obviously there'll be a few new players in there. Uh, obviously, Buruanori will be in, in centre midfield. Um, Curtis Edwards, I think, an Englishman who who should perhaps take Fuad Bacharu's place uh, in the centre of midfield as well. And yeah, that'll be the the rough tactical lineup. And then obviously the likes of Ken Semmer, who's a key player, and Saman Godos up front will will be there. And I think they will probably have their new new man as well, um, Islamovic, who was successful in the cup. Um, last week and he got his first goal for the club uh, since joining from Trelleborg. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the the really key players though, who might give Ossersons a chance of progressing in this tie. And uh, I'm just, we're just having, I was just having a look over at uh, uh, who scored uh, the uh, earlier tonight. Uh, one of our favourite websites on there, isn't it, John? Uh, but uh, the highest ranked player or rated player in the Europa League so far is Satiris Papagenopoulos. Did I pronounce that correctly? I do not know. But um, along with uh, Ken Sema, or Serma, is it? And uh, obviously Saman Godos. And Godos is often the big name talked about when linked with Ossesund, isn't he? He is indeed, yeah. He's a, he's a player who's had a lot of attention um, in, in recent months. I'm actually quite surprised he's still at, at Ossesund, to be perfectly honest. Um, there was a lot of rumours about him moving this time last season, this time last year. Uh, but he's stayed for the entire of a lot, entirety of last season, and you know hasn't left now even in the winter, um, despite the likes of Ajax and, and others looking at him. Uh, he bagged eight league goals last season, and there's a, there's a you know he's got five in the Europa League already so far. So he's definitely one to look out for. I think, as I mentioned, Potter's Potter's sort of emphasis and his, his style of, of of play involves obviously Swedish fans will know this, but he 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 likes a lot of freedom of expression and Godos. Um, encapsulates that that really he he he's a very enterprising you know good on the ball um, can go on either or either foot really um, scores goals inside and outside the box um, and he will be a key man Ken Semmer is the one I'd like to point out I think he'll be a real danger for Arsenal he's um, getting better and better uh, he's 24 now he's a left winger um, and I don't know if Arsenal are going to play perhaps Callum Chambers on the on the right hand side. Or even maybe Reese Nelson as a wing back or someone like that if they play a youngster, uh, or if they'll go for Bellerin. But whoever's on the right right hand side there defending against Ken Semmer, I think will be in for a game. Uh, he got nine assists last season in the league and, and four goals, and he's really powerful, um, strong, and and a lot of Osterson's goals either come from his corners or, or crosses from the left. So definitely one to watch there. You did mention they've lost uh, Fuad Bacharu and Gabriel Somi uh, already in this transfer window, and uh, they've added Dino Islamovic. How important uh, were those two players for Ossesund, John? Are they going to be missed a lot in this time? Uh, I think Fuad Bacharu is, is quite a big loss, and obviously it's emphasised in the price tag Malmo have paid for him, which is several hundred thousand uh, euros, which, which you don't see transfers that big between Swedish teams too often. Um, he's a player I do I do like a lot. And I think the Nuri Bacharu midfield, sort of central midfield partnership was was very productive um, for them last season. So he'll be missed. Um, but I don't think it's obviously the end of the world in, in that sense. I think 
Potter is reinforced, like I've said, with, with other players. Um, there's a lad they've got from Ghent, I think, by the name of Teki. I got his name. I get his name mixed up a little bit, but he he's in the squad, uh, and also Sonko Sundberg has come from AIK as a centre back. Um, so they they are in a position to recover from the the players they've lost. Somi, we covered him in a game last season when he was exceptional, but he didn't play a huge amount. Of, you know, he wasn't like a reg, a completely first choice uh, regular. He he was in and out of the team at times. Um, so. I don't think they're missing too too much, really. I think he played 15 or so games, maybe roughly, out of 30. So, um, but he was a good player. But I think they've got enough to to recover from those missing those two. Okay, so that's a bit of a lowdown on Ostersons, and I think it's now time we got a bit of an Arsenal point of view. So I'm going to move to the next section, and we've got a special guest joining us. So we've talked about Ostersons. Now it's time to turn to the big boys, Arsenal. And we're delighted to say that we are joined by Pete from Le Grove, at Le Grove, who is an Arsenal blogger. He's been an Arsenal blogger for over 10 years, and he also podcasts on the Arsenal Opinion. And he joins us now all the way from New York. Pete, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. How's things out in uh, NYC? Uh, very cold, very miserable, uh, um, very dull. A bit like Arsenal's football at the moment. <laughs> And a bit like also uh, the weather in Ossersons, where I think it's expected to be somewhere around minus 20, apparently, from what I've I've heard. Um, so, yeah, wrap up warm uh, for anyone who's going. But, Pete, t- tell us uh, firstly, before we kind of get into the match preview, uh, about obviously your history with Arsenal yourself and kind of uh, for listeners who maybe don't know so much about you. I know you've got a lot of followers and big following, that kind of thing. But for those who maybe don't know so much about you, tell us a bit about yourself and, and your relationship with Arsenal Football Club. Uh, I- I only know this because I was uh, writing a piece for uh, a magazine this week. But I, my first game was October 1987, Derby County. Um, I was uh, three years old, uh, and I have been supporting ever since. Like Arsenal season ticket holder, all through the George Graham years, uh, and then uh, Bruce Riot, then Arsene Wenger, then the stadium moves. So got quite a lot of experience of the ups and downs of Arsenal. Started a blog about ten and a half years ago because there was only one blog that was doing it on the daily and that was Ars Blog. And I was kind of addicted to transfer news and all things Arsenal. So I set up a blog with my dad and he stopped doing it about six years ago. So now I just run the thing on my own. And we've also got a podcast. So uh, that's the the quick and dirty version of, uh, of McGrory from, from my background with Arsenal. Love that. Yeah, no, I, uh, me personally, obviously, we began blogging around the same time, I think, because obviously I started Just Football around that sort of time. And I've been a long time follower. I've always enjoyed um, your opinions and you've always given sort of reasoned and, and good analysis. So it's really good to get you on the show. Um, so I appreciate your time and, and, and obviously thanks for joining us. Um, I, th- I guess the first place to start really looking to this game is, you know, what are your thoughts on Arsenal to this point? And, you know, give us a little bit of a background of your situation. Are you Wenger in or Wenger out? And, you know, how are you feeling about Arsenal these days? I've been Wenger, Wenger out for years. I think the Grove was one of the, the first voices to, to step out of, uh, of the shadows and say that Arsene Wenger was maybe not um, the full package. I think it's been an incredibly slow decline, clouded by all sorts of excuses over the years, but I think 
when you look at it in the cold light of day, Wenger never developed uh, developed how he thought the game should be played from um, where he left off in 2004. So uh, he, he's still a, he's still essentially a, a pretty good coach. He oversees a massive wage bill. He's still got an eye for a good player. So Arsenal have kind of been swimming in this like elite mediocrity. Never bad enough for Wenger to get fired, but never good enough to push the club on to, to, to the next level. So we are where we are. And I think the big turning point for Wenger in his Arsenal career was when proper managers started coming into the Premier League. Um, and not to say that we haven't had good managers over the last 15, uh, like 15 or so years, but I think the, the influx of cash into the Premier League and having like five or six top, top coaches uh, has really shown him up. Um, he, and he's still, he's still doing enough to get, to, you know, to get another year's contract, like the, the FA Cups here and there, the finishing fourth. But I think this season um, we're seeing a real demise and, now, really, the only way that he's going to earn a new contract is likely the Europa League. Like maybe, maybe the League Cup. I'm not sure the, the League Cup is prestigious enough. I think if he wins the Europa League, he'll probably get a, a, another extension to his current deal. But um, it's it's all or nothing on uh, on the Europa League for Wenger. So, from that point of view, then, do you think they're going to take this game quite seriously? Do you think? I mean, obviously, the Europa League is always for the bigger clubs. Has been looked a bit. Um, down on in some ways and obviously you know the Thursday night Channel 5 type jibes of the past do you think that won't apply then here is this really kind of a, a, a really will it be taken seriously by, by Wenger and, and the club I don't think the first leg is going to be taken seriously I think the, uh, there's too much riding on winning the League Cup I think that Wenger might make the mistake of underestimating Osterons um, but I think you'll see a fairly second string starting eleven in the first leg because I, I would suspect Arsene thinks that he's got enough um, to, to to push out a, a victory. But if the result doesn't go as planned or it's close, I would imagine that you'll see the big guns coming out um, for the second leg. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean. Um... We, we, we've been trying to sort of analyse Arsenal's potentially predicted starting eleven ourselves. And, and Steve has actually, he's, he's, he felt that they're going to go with a uh, maybe a stronger a strong lineup. He Steve's gone for Ospina, Koscielny, Mustafi, Maitland-Niles, Chambers, I think, Elaneni, the likes of Ozil, Lacazette. He thinks the big guns might might be out. Steve, do you still feel that? Or based on what Pete's saying here, you know, do you think it's going to be more of a weaker team? Yeah, yeah. First of all, hi, Pete. Thanks for, for coming on board. Um yeah, well, I, I'm not an expert on Arsenal Football Club, but um, it was interesting reading Wenger's comments, uh, first of all, after the Spurs game, that uh, he's, he still thinks they can get in the top four and that Europa League at the moment is not going to take any priority over the other. But then a couple of days later, suddenly it's like, yes, I'm going to start a really strong team uh, against Ostersunds in this first leg because we haven't got another match for 10 or 11 days, I think it is. So... The, the way I look at it, I, I mean, look, who knows? You'll know Wenger better than me, Pete. But I just think a few of the big guns are going to be out on the field. That's my gut feeling. I'm sure certain guys will get rested. Like, for example, you're probably not going to risk someone like a Jack Wilshere in this uh, um, on the artificial pitch at Ossesons. But, uh, yeah, I, I, my gut feeling is that, yes, he probably will start a few of the, uh, the bigger uh, guns. In terms of the formation, three or four at the back, Pete, 
what do you expect from Arsenal here? I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really sure um, how, how I go. I think, I think Arsenal often kind of cons managers of uh, opposition teams because he will say that his entire squad is strong and competitive. So you know, he'll say everybody deserves their place. But I think the artificial pitch, the freezing cold weather, um, and uh, and the the Manchester City game uh, coming up, which is which which could be a career decider. Might see him go with uh, a slightly less experienced. Well, maybe a, sorry, not less experienced. Like he'll he'll go for an experienced side. He won't go for a, like the kids. He'll play. He'll go. He'll go with second stringers. So I'd I'd imagine that um, with some of the shocks to the system that we've had recently, he'll probably look, be looking for stability at the back. So I'd. I think he'll probably go um, for for four defenders uh, and then uh, look to come out of the first leg with a with a clean sheet and maybe a couple of goals. Do you think that the the artificial pitch in Ostersunds and the cold conditions are going to have a negative effect on Arsenal? I mean, are Arsenal a soft team these days, or there is a bit more hard backbone in them than uh, some people perceive them to have? I think Arsenal were an incredibly weak team when it comes to mentality. We played Swansea away a few weeks ago and it was pouring with rain and I knew I knew that if things didn't go well for us in the first in the first twenty minutes, we just weren't gonna fancy it. I think that um, I know it sound it sounds so cliche, but it, it's absolutely true. Like we we've got um, we've 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 got a real big problem um, with shocks of the system um, and playing big games, and our away form at the moment is absolutely atrocious. And if teams get at us early doors and a few decisions don't go our way, like it, it, you can be on course um, for a disaster. So um, I don't think that um, I, I don't think that Wenger has a lot of leaders in his team, and I think there might be motivation issues. But we're not close enough to the final for everybody to be charged for it. Uh, and I think that Champions League players playing away um, in, a, in a small stadium on an artificial pitch in negative 20 might just be thinking, what the, what the hell am I doing? Like, why, why am I here? It's when you have the potential to see the switch off. And we've already seen it um, in the third round of the FA Cup. A team of uh, seven academy players from Nottingham Forest who were like 14th in the championship uh, gave us like like taught us a lesson, like absolutely um, humiliated us um, away from home. So I think I think there is a lot of elements in this mix that could see uh, a, a negative result. It's interesting that you mentioned the <clears throat> the away form there as well, Pete, because as you mentioned rightly there, Arsenal. Have- played 14 games away from home in the league this season and only won three, which is incredible, really, and, and lost seven. Uh, and I read a stat earlier today, which I'm, I'm not sure, I didn't really go through it, but it said that Arsenal lost more games this season alone than they did it between 2001 and 2005 uh, away from home in the league, which to me was was incredible. I mean, going to a place like Ostersund's, everybody's written them off and, you know, these are the Swedish minnows, really, aren't they? From from the media point of view, nobody's really taking them seriously, although I think that it could be dangerous given 
you know, this is a team that eliminated Galatasaray and, and, and went there and got a draw. Um, you know, from your point of view, then, is, is there sort of any wildcard players we should look out for? I mean, looking at Arsenal's most recent lineup in the in the Europa League, they had the likes of, um, obviously, Debussy, who's now gone. But uh, is there anyone, you know, that we should keep an eye on? I mean, I know they've played, for example, Reese Nelson in, in the Europa League this season, um, Willock, Maitland-Niles. Is there anyone that you, you're sort of riding on as a, as a young hope that could maybe, he might be playing, but we should keep an eye out for? I think the two most uh, the, the two most likely players um, to keep an eye on are um, Maitland Niles, who I think is a fabulous young player. He's been playing uh, like left wing back um, for Arsenal, which is out of position. But the way that you get into the first team if you're a young player at Arsenal is it doesn't really matter what your position is. You get played out on the wing until like, you learn the ropes. There's slightly less risk associated with it. I think he's long term. Uh, plan is definitely like he'll be lined up as Arsenal's Kante type player. Like his acceleration is unbelievable. Um, he's great with both feet. Um, he's good going forward, but um, he, he's got he's got everything that you need to become like a modern defensive midfielder. And he's got everything that that Jacker doesn't have. And I would love to see him given a role um, in. Uh, like the assistance game, um, so he he he's one. Then you've got Reese Nelson, who is uh, he he's the, the the second hottest player in that sort of category of like under twenty threes um, in England at the moment. I think like him and uh, Sancho, who went to Dortmund, uh, like the exciting flair players. He had a, a great uh, preseason and scored some goals. Looked unbelievable, but he hasn't really he hasn't really had a breakthrough game yet. I mean, he's looked good in flashes, but he's been kind of overshadowed by Maitland Niles. But there is going to be a moment where he breaks through. Um, I've heard that he's a bit of a contract rebel as well, holding out for a, a move to Madrid. Um, in the, I guess he's seen uh, uh, McGuane go to Barcelona and he's thinking that he'll have a piece of that. But he's definitely an exciting talent. And then maybe from the bench, uh, Eddie Nketiah, who is one of those young players that knows where he belongs in football. Like He's just got this air about him where he's like, I am going to be uh, an incredible striker. And he's, he's tearing it up in the under-23s. Um, he scored earlier on in the season in the League Cup. Uh, he's exciting. He's got pace. He's arrogant. He's good in the air. And he's got fantastic feet. So those are the three potentially exciting players that, that could have a role um, in in the first leg away from home. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, the nice one, Pete. And I mean, I've seen Maitland Niles play and I really do like him. And I think he's, he strikes me personally as being slightly different from maybe some of the younger Arsenal players who tend to maybe get, get carried away with things like Instagram. And I like the fact that Maitland Niles is a bit, he seems very, very focused and kind of no nonsense, which I, which I really like. Um, so let's move on to obviously the prediction and your final comments. Um, really appreciate your time. What, what would you say if we had to put you on the spot would be maybe uh, an expected lineup? And how do you see the game in the sense of do you think Arsenal will qualify with ease or do you see this as being quite tricky? Okay, so my lineup, uh, Spina is going to be in goal. Uh, I think I'm, I'm in an hiring over whether he goes three at the back or four. Let's say. He's in a bit of a panic at the moment and wants some stability. So we're going to go with uh, four at the back. Let's go with uh, Bellerin, 
Mustafi, Holding, and Kalasanak. Then in uh, midfield, Jack Wilshire, El Nenny, uh, Maitland Niles, perhaps. And then up up front, if we go with a front three, I'm thinking Lacazette, Iwobi, and Danny Welbeck. Very interesting, Pete. Yeah, I love that. And so you, you know, to conclude, you think it's going to be quite tricky or do you think as the media is kind of predicting it's going to be a walk in the park for, for Ostersons? Oh, sorry, for Arsenal. <laughs> I think it's absolutely going to be a tough game. And I think that, uh, I think that you're going to come at us. I think it's going to be uh, freezing cold. I think that there'll probably be a, a big early shock, like maybe, uh, maybe they'll go one nil up. But I think ultimately Arsenal will have too much strength um, in the return leg uh, for there to be a real terrible result. And very finally, my final question to you: Will Arsenal? One word answer: Will Arsenal win the Europa League? Yes or no? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Mr. Legrove, really appreciate your time there, Pete. Uh, and yeah, you can follow him on Twitter at Legrove. A really, really good and sort of reasoned um, Arsenal fan and, you know, opinionista, which, yeah, is really worth checking out. So I appreciate your time and thanks for having us on the show. And perhaps if uh, if we maybe could chat at the second leg, maybe if you if you guys, if it's not too, yeah. if it's not out of the... I'll invite you guys on to speak um, for the second leg. You should come on. Uh, you should come on the Arsenal Opinion podcast. It'd be great to. Uh, it'd be great to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'd be happy to sort of uh, give you the Swedish perspective if needed. So yeah, let's keep in touch and really appreciate your time, Pete. Um, thanks very much. Thanks, Pete. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Well, that was a really great, insightful um, interview there with uh, Le Grove. Thanks very much uh, once again. And uh, it, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we're kind of talking Arsenal as underdogs in a way at times there, weren't we? But let's look at it logically. They are a strong favourite with the bookies to win this first leg. I think with, on the Asian handicap, they're about minus 1.5. In terms of raw straight odds, they're about 1.4. So, you know, everyone's really logically expecting Arsenal to do a job on Ossessons here. Um, should they be able to do that, John? Because, I mean, there are areas of Ossessons which can be taken advantage of and they're vulnerable aren't they yeah there are i mean i've analyzed the officers in quite a lot of detail previously and there are areas that they, they they're vulnerable of course uh, arsenal have spent 100 million on two strikers in the last sort of uh, what eight months so you know that's more than probably the, the entirety of swedish football spent in the last five years so um so of course, Arsenal are going to be major uh, favourites for this and any kind of upset would be of monumental proportions. Um, the key areas, obviously, Arsenal might look to exploit. I would say that if Potter does go for a wing-back kind of system, then there will be pockets of space maybe left between the, the centre-backs and the kind of wing-backs, um, especially when they push forward. So that will be manner from heaven for the likes of Meza Ozil uh, if he was to play and... Mkhitaryan, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if he's suspended or uh, sorry, cup tied, but uh, those kind of players, those technical players, if they get space between, you know, the likes of Pettersson and Papagenopoulos and, and Ken Semmer and uh, Mensah in those areas, in those pockets of space, either out wide um, or just in front of the centre-backs, then they could cause havoc. Uh, so that's somewhere I think Arsenal would look, would look to exploit them. Um, Yes, I think um, certainly defensively, Ossessons can be got at. And I must say, my own personal opinion here, I think Alexandre Lacazette is going to do well over these two legs. He has a good record in this Europa League, John. 
I think his tail's going to be up for this one. Certain, maybe not so much in Sweden itself, but I, I think he's going to have an impact on the tie. He's got the pace, the skill to really make a difference here. And unlike certain, you know, perhaps stalwarts of the Arsenal team over the years who might be a little bit down and depressed about being in the Europa League, you know, Lacazette's been in this competition before. He sees it as an opportunity to shine. So I think he's going to be really up for it. Um, in terms of, I mean, I know you actually looked every single goal. You did an awful lot of research for this uh, game, John. You looked every single goal that Austin scored and conceded um, over the course of last season. Um, in terms of actually going forwards, the key weapons that Austin's can hurt Arsenal with, and do you think they would prefer facing an Arsenal back four or back three? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for. Um... Put me on the spot there, no, Steve. But no, no, you're right. To be, to be fair, there, there are areas that they can exploit Arsenal, I think, and I don't think this is any, by any means a, a kind of um, foregone conclusion. This game, Ostersons will be very well prepared. If there's one thing that Graham Potter is good at, it's um, preparing his team for matches. They've played a lot of games, obviously Europa League and and league, and juggled them fine, um, despite having a relatively smaller squad than, than some others. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if we're looking at areas that Arsenal should be beware of. I think that one thing that stands out definitely, as mentioned, is Ken Semo and his, his crossing ability from the left. The other thing I would point out is shots from distance. Uh, when I was doing analysis, obviously, the, the, the number of shots from distance that Ottersons managed to score is a lot. And it taps into, the obviously, the fact that Potter, uh, who, who did a, a Masters at Leeds Metropolitan, which is uh, near your area, Steve. He did, he, he did a master's in leadership and emotional intelligence. And he, 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 he as I mentioned, he, he, he promotes risk-taking. And I think maybe that's reflected in the amount of goals they score from outside the box because the likes of Curtis Edwards, Ken Semmer, Alhaji Giro, Jamie Hopcutt, the Englishman who we've already interviewed on this podcast previously, uh, I think on episode eight or so last season, um, Saman Godos as well, they all can crack one from, from distance. Um, I'm sure Arsenal will be aware of that and their analysis team will be very detailed, but that's one thing to look out for. If They, they can't allow space um, just in front of the, the penalty area because those players will hit one. And uh, I don't know what Ospina's form is like. I know Petr Cech isn't in the best of form, although he did play well in the, in the North London derby, but he's had a bit of a suspect season in my opinion and they could get caught out with a couple of long shots if they're not careful. Well, for me, Petr Cech is not what he used to be. I think he's made a lot more mistakes this season whether or not he's fully fit i'm not entirely sure i think david ospina looks sometimes very unconvincing in these sort of games i don't think the arsenal fan base have ever really taken to him they don't believe he's good enough and a lot of the media get on his back as well you know what it's like in this country where uh, when the media get on the back of goalkeepers like ming ming you know and a couple of others so um yeah anyway we've you've got a Predicted 11 for uh, Ossessons for this game. So lead us off with that. Yeah, you just untwist your tongue there while I, uh, while I go for the go for the prediction. Yeah, no, I think it's difficult to predict their exact lineup. I mean, obviously, uh, Pete Legrove has has given his, his expected 11 uh, for Arsenal. I think if I had to be on the spot, I would kind of um, perhaps say that, you know, they've got a pretty much a fully strength squad, including their new signings. Um, so... I'd probably expect him maybe to be catering goal, <clears throat> Makibi, uh, Pettersson. Uh, sorry, not Makibi, actually. I think they'll go for Papagenopoulos uh, as a centre-back, who's, who's 
being a bit injured, but, but could recover, uh, should recover for such a massive game. Pettersson and Wigren as the centre-backs. Uh, if this is a 3-5-2, um, then Hossam Aish and Ken Semmer perhaps as the wing-backs. Uh, and then potentially Buranoi, uh, Bergfist, Jamie Hockcutt, I could imagine, playing. Um, Sam Curtis Edwards maybe as well could could be in that midfield. And uh, Nori. And then up front, I imagine that Islamovic, having scored in the Swedish Cup last week, I think he might well uh, get a game. And Sam and Goddess will no doubt be, be, be in there. Um, the only maybe doubt is perhaps El Hajgiro might come in for um, Islamovic, who will obviously be a bit new to the Europa League and that kind of thing. Um, although he does have a previous experience, but I mean, in this particular team, you know, he's new to the team, so he's still learning. So Gira might start, but um, in the three-five-two system, I think that is the likely likely level. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Jamie Hopkup there, the Englishman. We did, or uh, well, you had a, a fantastic interview with him last year on one of our podcasts. I've, uh, I'm going to post that up on uh, YouTube. So if anyone who wants to listen to that from last year. And also, going forward, we're hoping that all the episodes will be uh, on YouTube as well. So for those who prefer to use that platform rather than listening on uh, downloading it from the Libsyn uh, player, then uh, YouTube, um, you should be able to listen to it uh, there and then on, on YouTube going forward. Um, one thing we've got to mention before we finish, the, the artificial pitch and the weather, I could certainly see a few complaints coming in beforehand every time one of these plastic pitches gets used in a European game. There's often criticism, isn't there? And if I guess if Arsenal have a bad night, they'll probably use it as an excuse. But the weather, I mean, it's going to be in, in degrees, minus four, minus five. It's going to be freezing cold. It's going to be a big impact on the game, isn't it? I don't know where you got minus four or minus five from. Uh, from what I can understand, it could be as much as minus 20. But Degree. Degrees or Fahrenheit. Oh, right. Yeah, no, uh, degrees. Yes. But well. I think it's, a, it's it's one of those sort of not windy, is it? It's kind of like a... It's going to be cold, basically, though, isn't it? Where it doesn't feel like minus 20. But, yeah, I mean, the Ostersons' Twitter account posted a, um, a a picture of their new dressing rooms, which was basically an igloo. Uh, and kind of, I think, there's a bit of a social media banter uh, on there. Um, hashtag banter. And they're ready for it, obviously. And, yeah, it will be very cold. And I think Atla Grove made a good point that Arsenal, well, their away, away record is shocking, as we've discussed. And... There is a potential that they're going to turn up on that artificial pitch. The ball's not going to bounce the way it bounces at the Emirates. It's it's going to be very very cold, tight, um, middle of kind of nowhere. Obviously, in, you know, a stadium that holds I think nine thousand roughly capacity. Um, there could be one or two of those Arsenal players, and I'm not naming names. Uh, cough, cough, Hector Bellerin, cough. But there could be a couple of players who might not just might not fancy it, and and you know, they could be in for a bit of a shock. I think that as well. Um, I'm going to have to finish by asking you the most difficult question of them all. A prediction for the first leg. It's a difficult one, I know. But what do you think it's going to... What do you think the final score is going to be? Well, as you know, I'm not I'm not big on predictions, to be honest. I think there is a potential for an upset. Um, but to be to, to be to give credit to Arsenal where it's due, they, if they do turn up, sometimes they can... They can blitz teams, you know, sometimes. And obviously, they, their last Europa League game, I think they won 6 0 against Barte Borisov, was it? So, you know, it, uh, I do love that fence and, and sitting on it. So, uh, I'm hard to say. But I think no matter what happens, it will be set up for the second leg. I can't see a sort of a 3 0 Arsenal where they, 
absolutely cruise it and 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 there's nothing left to play for um if i had to stick my neck out let's say the romance the romantic in me says three two ostracons Ah, oh, great. I was just about to say, mind the uh, splinters in your ass there on that fence. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Uh, at this point in time, though, I do believe Arsenal will have too much uh, in the second leg at the Emirates. But uh, that's for a different day. Um, fantastic uh, analysis of the Austin's Arsenal game. Let's hope it's a fantastic affair. And, uh, well, we'll both be watching it, tweeting it out on uh, Thursday night. Really looking forward to it, John. Yeah, it should be a cracker. I, I really can't wait. It's a, it's a massive game for the region. And uh, yeah, being involved with this podcast, it's, it's, it's really exciting to be to be looking forward to it and hopefully maybe getting to the second lane myself as well. OK, well, that concludes the uh, Ossersons against uh, Arsenal match preview. We're going to take a little bit of a break now, but uh, coming off afterwards, we're going to be talking about the transfer window in uh, Norway and Sweden and our general thoughts on how certain teams are shaping up as the new season approaches. Catch you in a bit. to move over to Norway which we will not neglect as the league restarts in just a few weeks time uh, does it not Steve and we're going to look at the transfer window and just generally pick up from Rosenberg's um, league title win at the end of last season and and uh, look at teams and who've done some business so Steve I'm going to start you off now with the transfer window I mean very very briefly maybe in a, in a word or, or you know in a sentence or two Rosenborg are the, are the big dogs and they won the league as expected. Um, was there any surprises towards the end of the season that, that, that maybe, you know, anything you wanted to highlight before we talk about these transfers and what's the state of play in Norway heading into the you know, final few weeks of the window and the new season? Well, everyone's expecting Rosenborg to dominate the league again and they themselves will want to do that, but also continue to make European progress. They did that last year by qualifying for the group stages of the Europa League. Didn't manage to qualify like Ossersons did, but they nevertheless made some progress. The rest of Norway, I think, wants to see a title race. They want the likes of Bram, Molder, Strums Goods at Sarpsport to actually challenge them. And initial impressions from myself are that the that those sort of teams might get a little bit closer. Because, I mean, so far, there's a long way to go, still a month to the start of the season. Um, but so far, I would say, yeah, some teams have reinforcing areas they need to. Rosenborg uh, still a little bit still so far, I would say, in the market. But they don't. Some would argue they don't really need to add anyone. Uh, the big addition is Alexander Söderlund from Sanetien, um, and obviously someone that, uh, like myself, who's involved heavily with French football, I've been keeping an eye on him since he moved from Rosenborg out there in the first place. Scored a winning goal for Sanetien against Lyon in a derby, which endeared himself to the fans there. Didn't have a great goal-scoring record, though, Alexander Söderlund um, in, in France. But 
I mean, you know French football as well, John, in detail. There's just not enough chances are created in that league. So I don't think he can be judged properly there. You know, I think he's going to do an awful lot better back in the uh, in the elite Serian. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of Alexander Sutherland or not. Well, at Saint-Étienne, yeah. I mean, he he, he cost a fair whack, didn't he, I think? Mm. Uh, so that was obviously a statement of intent for him. I mean, is Nicholas Bender still sticking around for this, this uh, season? Yes, he is. Um, certainly for the first half of the season. There's a lot of talk that he's going to be leaving in the summer. And that is why Sutherland, ultimately, Alexander Sutherland and Nicholas Bender are the same type of player. They're a central striker. I think to get them both in the same team in the 4-3-3 system, Sutherland would play out wide initially. But Sutherland would take... If Benton left the club in the summer, then Sutherland would take over. For me personally, I would much rather have Alexander Sutherland playing in my team than Nicholas Bentner. Now, a lot of people who listen to this podcast know I'm not a big fan of Bentner, and I will admit to that. And I don't deny he's a more skillful player than Sutherland, but... Sutherland is going to give you a lot more heart, desire, determination. If the chips are down on a tough game and you're 1-0 down, I would much rather have Sutherland in my team. I think Bentner, he can, I, he, he defied his critics in the second half of last season really well. I'll give that brilliant from him. But, he was top scorer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the top scorer. And, he, and it was because of the a brilliant second half of the season. However, I still believe if the, if the chips go down, if it's a struggling sort of game, if Rosenberg things aren't going so well, I would much rather have Sutherland. And that is why I do believe it's a good signing for Rosenberg if Bentner decides to uh, to to leave halfway through the season, um, you know, despite his extra skill. It sounds like you think Rosenberg will be the main, main, main challengers. I mean, let's move on to kind of the transfers that have taken place to date. And I'm going to start you off with one, obviously with a Swedish interest. A couple of transfers caught my eye over in at Wallerenga. One of them being Sam Adekugbe, who uh, EF Koyotoberg were completely trumped with that transfer when he chose to move to Wallerenga instead of joining EF Core, where he'd been on loan uh, and was highly tipped to sort of complete a, a permanent transfer there. Uh, and the other one is Sam Johnson as well, who also was really strongly linked to EF Core uh, and turned up ending up going to Norway. So let's start with Wallerenga, who's done some Pretty interesting business, I believe. Um, where do you see them at this present time in the window? Are they are they are they a team who maybe could, you know, have significantly improved? I think they've done some good business so far, John. I've got to be honest. Uh, me and you were talking about Sam Johnson earlier. He used to be at uh, Jorgan in Sweden. Had a great goal scoring record there. He went to the Chinese second tier, a team called Wuhan Zal. Uh, had a good record. I think he scored something about twelve or thirteen goals in about twenty odd games. Pretty respectable record. Now he's coming back to Wallerenga, and uh, by all accounts, he's a pretty much a bit of a coup, really. If he can get them firing, he should score plenty of goals for them. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good signing. I have to say, I think. Mm. Yeah, you've seen him, haven't you? Yeah, no. It, I mean, it stood out to me as one of the, the deals that caught my eye. I really thought that he was going to EF Core. Um, do you think he has the profile? I mean, I'm not sure how, how much you've seen him, but do you think he has the profile to make a real impact in, in Norway? I saw a few clips of him and I definitely think he's got the profile. They've got him on a free transfer, which I think he was released from the club because of the, he had too many foreign players or something. So mm. caught him nicely uh, in that regard. Yes, I definitely think he's got the profile, the skill, the physique to, to do really well as long as he's given the service. And uh, one of those players, hopefully, will give him some service is Sam Adekukbe. I've got to be honest, I'm a massive fan of this guy. I always have been. Back in the days when he was at Vancouver Whitecaps, and of course I follow that league, 
as well. And um, I think he's, I always recognize him as someone with great potential, great talent. It was really interesting for him to go over to Sweden. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how he performed over there. You'll know better than me. But uh, I really think he's a fine, skillful player. He's got great heart. And uh, he's, again, he's got the physique to do well. As long as he gets his head right, I think he'll go really well for Valerenga there, John. Yeah, I think that's another another decent signing um, and a bit of a blow for Yekron not to get him. I guess it was highly expected that he would, he would move there. If we were to sort of look at the, the transfer window so far and the, the deals that have gone ahead, um, and also we've got a couple of new teams as well in the, in the league moving up, um, which two or three transfers do you think are, are kind of real game changers in terms of whether it's team players losing, uh, sorry, teams losing players um, or players obviously joining from from different leagues or from rival clubs what what game changer transfers do you think have taken place in Norway so far I'll tell you one big transfer and that's Gilbert Coombson from Songdal to Brand I know this is more at the top of the table but Coombson completely carried Songdal the last two years he was basically their only offensive weapon they had really skillful player when teams played him they could like double team him or even treble team him team him take him out of the game even then he made a big impact going to be really interesting him at brand with some better players in a better club i think he'll go really well for them towards the bottom of the table uh christiansen have done a couple of pieces of business which i'm interested in uh, they've lost john alisan mendy who we profiled on the nordic football podcast last year uh he's gone to belgium scored quite a few goals for them but at the end of the season it was other guys that were getting them goals instead so they might not miss him as much as you think they have signed someone from sweden from uh and uh, that's Stian Asmundsen, and we talked about him earlier, me and you off air. Um, bit of a, well, crap player in the Asvenskan, really, wasn't he? But uh, he could hopefully do well for them in, in, in Norway. So I think it's big big for Christiansen. You know, they survived last season against all the odds. They finished as high as seventh. They're expected to be in the relegation battle again. But to me, it looks like they're strengthening in the areas they need to. And they're not really, apart from losing John Arsene and Mendy, then they've kept hold of all the other key players. Now you mentioned there a player that we'd we'd featured, Mendy, who's moved to Belgium, uh, and he was one of our talent focuses. And for those who are either new listeners or people who aren't familiar with the Nordic Football Podcast, we regularly featured a talent fo- talent corner, where we'd pick a player from Sweden and a player from Norway, and really give them an in-depth kind of profile and analysis, uh, and pick players who we feel could move on in the future to other leagues or to bigger clubs. And without wanting to sort of blow our own um, uh, trumpet, so to speak, we've had a bit of a decent success rate, haven't we, in this window so far from from some of the transfers that have taken place. Um, and two I wanted to just highlight to you quickly then in, in Norway. One was Sigurd Rostedt, who's gone to Ghent for, I believe, 1.3 million euros, which is, is a hefty amount, uh, who we featured, I think, on episode two of the podcast, which you can obviously still listen to and download uh, if you go to iTunes or Lipsyn or wherever you get the pod from. Uh, and another one was Mikael Ingebrigtsen, who actually he may have been, he was one of the early podders as well. And he, you highlighted him and he has gone to EF Corps and moved to, to Sweden uh, and is considered a bit of a coup and or based on the evidence so far in friendlies. He, he's, he's looked very impressive and obviously you'd already highlighted him. So tell us about those two players and, um, you know, those moves. I'm going to start with Sigurd Rosted here because Sarpsborg so far, I mean, it's been incredible. They've had, I think they've uh, added about 10 new players and they've lost about a dozen, which is quite ridiculous, isn't it, at this point in time, I must say. Um, 
But Rosted, yeah, to Ghent for 1.3 million euros. It's a good move for the player. I think he had to get out of Norway, test himself at a higher level. Whether or not Belgium's the right place, I'm not sure. I don't know an awful lot about that league at the moment, John. Just quickly, for those who don't know him, what position is he in? Yeah, centre-back. Um, sort of uh, physical, good all-rounder sort of centre-back, really. Great potential to develop. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes on in that Belgish, Belgian league. Um, I would have liked to have seen him maybe somewhere else. But, um, yeah, it was good for him that he got out of the country. Mikalinga Brixen, um, I think uh, EFK have got a great job here. 170,000 euros. Yes, I think there's the odd add-on and a sell-on fee. I certainly think that that sell-on fee will be getting back to Trump at some point because this is a player with fantastic future. I mentioned him before last year and he's got the talent to, to go really well. Uh, for EFK I mean you know that club better than me you know that city better than me how is he going to fit into that environment for EFK well from all the reports that I've heard so far he's 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 already slotted in perfectly and um, obviously EFK are under new management now with um, Poyaz Bayou's joined uh, the club as the new coach and <clears throat> Inga Brixen just seems to be part of that whole new revolution of players at EFK that they're bringing in um, they've had a good window so far I think and he's he's one of them who looks, you know, he looks, he looks the part. To be fair, um, what's he? What kind of, you know, what profile is he in terms of, you know, position? And just recap quickly what his main strengths are for us. I think he can play in any attacking position: left wing, left wing, right wing, attacker. Maybe not so much centrally, but he's got great balance, pace, skill. He's not. You look at him; he's not necessarily you'd think a strong player, but he's got that way of putting himself about. He's not afraid. To, uh, to to go off on things. So uh, I think uh, it's really a good signing for EFK. He's got the skill to do well. That's the, the big, big strength. And I think he's got the heart and determination as well. It's a great signing for, for them and uh, looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, interesting. Okay, let's finally wrap up before we wrap up on, on, uh, on Norway. Um, pick a couple more players that you think have really stood out for you in terms of transfers. Um, that, that, that will really affect the, you know, the makeup of this league uh, heading into 2018. You know, I'm going to go with Moss or Merce, as he's known, from relegated Arsenal to uh, to Strums Goodser. I've seen a few people sort of say that he's a bit of a waste of a transfer and that he's overrated. But you look at his goal scoring record for Arsenal over the last few years; it's pretty good. He's often there in the right place at the right time. Yes, he misses a few chances, but I actually think he can add to, to Strum's good sir up front. They needed a few more um, attacking weapons. They've got a couple more as well, but I think Moss is going to go all right. And just, I'm just going to finish off by a transfer from between Norway and Sweden again. Oliver Berg from Odd to Dalkurd, who are a new promoted team in uh, Sweden, John. Um, experience sort of... Uh, player and it'd be interesting to see how he handles the, the move from the uh, Norwegian league to the, the top one in Sweden. Yeah, it'll be an, an interesting, interesting challenge for him there. Obviously, they're newly promoted, as you've mentioned. I mean, uh, just before we end, I've got one player who stood out for me is a player called Gary Martin, who's gone from York City to Lillestrøm, which seems very, very interesting. An Englishman there who's headed to Norway. I'm not sure he's ended up going from from, from York in non-league to, to Lillestrøm there, but um, let's move on to this couple of Swedish transfers, shall we? 
Yeah, let's move on to Sweden. Just a brief one here because, I mean, there's still six weeks to go until the start of the new season. Um, so, a long, long way to go. Um, AIK. We uh, often like to talk about them, don't we, on this podcast? And they've signed Tarek Elianusi from Olympiakos. To me, that one stands out. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, you probably know more about him than, than me, but it is a, it's quite a coup coming from that league. Um, he's obviously a wide player. What do you know about him? Really skillful wide player. Um, he, he's got strength as well. You know what I mean? He's got that bit of nastiness in him sometimes, John. And uh, that competitive edge, which can make a big difference. Ever I've seen him, um, either for club or country, he, uh, he has that big drive about him. I think I once read that his upbringing was a bit harsh and he's really made the most for himself in life. He's a determined individual. And, yeah, he's gone around the block a bit, hasn't he, since uh, he left uh, Norway. And uh, obviously moving back to Sweden, I, I would, in myself, I would have him as one of the one of the better players in this league. Um, so I think it's a fair coup for, for AIK, really. Um, where do you think he'll fit into their team? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, he's a winger. So, I mean, AIK have lost a fair amount of players as well this, this summer, which... Two, 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 two players who I think uh, are, are interesting transfers to look out for, leaving Oikora, Sonko Sundberg, who's gone to Ostersunds, uh, and he'll be in the squad as well against Arsenal. Uh, centre-back, he was on loan at Gif Sundsvall, and is a young player, Gambian origin, I think. And um, he's a sort of athletic, kind of tall, physical defender, centre-back, and I think he's got real potential. Um, and I think that's some good scouting by Ostersunds, to be honest, because he was a little, a little bit underrated at uh, Gif. Sundsvall, and um, I'm not sure why Eko didn't really rate him and, and, and didn't seem to give him you much. Mentioned, you mentioned scouting there, and I know last year those uh, regular listeners will remember the uh, uh, special podcast we had about uh, uh, Hecken. And there's a, I know there's a transfer you want to talk about here. Uh, Johan Hammer from Ugrit uh, to Hecken. That is an inter-city transfer, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and uh, I highlighted uh, Johan Hammer because uh, number one, I love his name, the Hammer. Uh, what kind of what better name do you want as a centre back than the surname of Hammer? I mean, uh, it tells you everything you need to know about a centre back, really, doesn't it? And uh, another thing, I mean, obviously, watched, I've watched him several times, uh, obviously from my time in Jutteborg and uh, playing in the second division. I always thought, I always looked at him and thought he he's got the potential to move up a gear. So I was not surprised when a team like Hacken picked him up. I think it's a really good bit of business. Um, Interestingly, he actually used to play for Everton. He came for he played for, played at Everton for a while. Um, never really managed to establish himself, but uh, he's still a young uh, age. Um, I must admit, I had a football manager game of, on a uh, played as Ogrita once, and uh, he, he was good for my team there. And no, he, he's a he's a sort of physically imposing uh, centre back who I feel will will be fine in the Allsvenskan, and I think he's he's ready for that step up. So I think that is a good signing. Um, Another player I wanted to very quickly point out who is another centre-back is Marcus Danielson, who has gone to your garden. And I think that is another good signing as well. Um, from he, your... from Gif Sundsvall. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, in terms of your garden, I know some of their defence let them down last year. Do you think he can solve the problems there? It's an area that they need to improve. I think on a pod towards the end of last season, we, we analysed Gifson, so I didn't we? And um, 
I, I mentioned I, I like Danielson. I think he's a good centre back. He's a bit older now, 28. But uh, as a free transfer, I think that's that's a smart bit of business. Uh, and obviously with Jonas Olsen, who used to play for West Brom, um, being a bit older now and you know in his 30s and kind of coming towards the end of his career, particularly on artificial surfaces where he tends to struggle on those pitches. Uh, I think Danielson will fit in there and uh, is a really shrewd, shrewd addition for Eurogarden. So uh, that's one uh, that, that caught my eye. I think another player at Eurogarden who, who I'm excited to see is Dennis Kozika from Yon Shopping. Uh, I don't think he really, um, he, he, he's a good sort of player, a good forward, but he didn't really have much profile or much kind of um, focus on him last season, I didn't think. But I think the move to Eurogarden is a good one. Uh, obviously, Yon Shopping have been relegated, and I think that's another bit of a, a shrewd business there from their from their um, recruitment team. Yeah, before we before we just very finally, very quickly uh, on transfer, sorry, uh, we can't end without mentioning Quanta Starberg, who's obviously made the biggest move of the window, uh, moving to a Premier League club in uh, Watford from AFK Yotterbrook. How much did Watford pay for him, roughly? Three point five million. Uh, and he's he's being loaned straight back to AFK for the um, rest of the beginning of this season, and then I think he will move to Watford in six months, I believe. I'm not sure, maybe or after the World Cup. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, obviously a massive transfer. I think it's the most expensive ever mon- amount of money paid for a goalkeeper in Sweden. So that marks him out. Obviously, he's only 18, 19, um, going on 19, so he's still very young, uh, and. He's one of the most highly rated young keepers in, in Europe. Um, several scouts have been to watch him in the last months. So it's no surprise that he's moved. But it's a yeah, really exciting uh, transfer, I think, that one. And uh, one to watch out for for Premier League fans and obviously Watford fans. Yeah, and obviously quite a lot of money for the transfer as well. So, uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the uh, the transfer uh, section now. I'm sure that we'll be talking a lot more about that in the next few weeks uh, ahead of the season. And um, so, yeah, great work there, mate. Okay, just before we leave off, I want to end on a an appeal to our regular listeners, supporters, anyone who likes our podcast, really. Um, if you could give us a small financial support per month, we've set something up on a website called Patreon. I don't know if anyone uh, has heard of this. I'm so, sure some of you listeners already have. Uh, but basically... <sighs> This is the story. Um, the Nordic Football Podcast was launched in May 2017. Um, we really appreci- appreciate everyone who's listened so far. Thanks so much for all your support. We've averaged around 500 downloads per episode, much more than we expected. Uh, we featured a lot of special guests, including some of the top managers and players in Scandinavian football. But in order to really develop the podcast and take it to the next level, we need this appeal for a little bit of financial support from you, the public, the listeners, the fans. Um, everything we've done so far on Nordic Football Football Podcast, it's been for free using our own time and resources. I mean, we'd love this to continue. But realistically, long term down the line, we've got to acknowledge it's going to be quite difficult without a little bit of extra backing for now. Um, you know, we really strive to produce a top quality product that requires quite a bit of time and effort not to mention extras like podcast hosting fees um, recording devices and stuff like that to make it sound really good uh, and, and this is why we're appealing to you um, just to ask if we could 
if you would consider supporting us for a small fee each month we've got three different tiers on this patreon website from which you can back us from from as little as five dollars a month which is effectively less than a pound per episode um, and if you want to pay a little bit more then we we're going to throw a few added extras in there as well um, just to make one thing clear first and foremost the podcasts are not becoming um, a paid content or anything like that this is com- completely public podcast and they always will be it's just um, basically an appeal if for those who want to or can do or would like to support us in, in this financial way um, I mean in return we will strive to continue to produce the best possible podcast we possibly can um, better than ever before our in-depth coverage of Swedish or Norwegian leagues will continue in addition to our varied range of special guests exclusive interviews content like that long term the ambition is for the podcast to increase its download and download and listener base improve the overall quality and attract hopefully a wider range of sponsors and backers to support the f- podcast financially in that regard and that would allow us to continue bringing you the best English language coverage of Nordic football podcast there is but to put it simply the more you help us out the better quality we can produce and develop for you you know, for less than the cost of maybe a beer or something per month your support would enable us to keep us going throughout the whole of 2018 and beyond uh, you know thanks in advance to anyone who's able to contribute um, this is on a website patreon www.patreon.com slash nordic football podcast we're going to send plenty of links out on twitter um, for anyone interested uh, aren't we john yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing to emphasise is obviously the podcast will remain free uh, to listen to. Any anyone who listens to the weekly show and enjoys it, you'll continue to enjoy it. And you know, there's going to be no sort of obligation to 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 sort of um, contribute to the content. I think really this is just to try and make the pod better, more regular, and provide us with a little bit of um, you know, uh, what's the word? Sort of fire under our fire under our bellies to. Yeah. Um, bring even greater content, perhaps, you know, going to games, maybe more, more, you know, anything that we basically make out of this, we'll reinvest into the pod is, I think it's essential to put, make that point. Um, so yeah, we set up a Patreon. It's very common, you know, uh, several podcasts out there are doing it and we thought we'd get involved as well. So if you do want to back us, you know, for like I say, the price of a couple of beers a month or whatever, um, we've got three tiers, uh, the John Dow Thomason tier, which is, uh, you know, $5 a month, I believe, or something like that. Uh, the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tier, which is slightly more, and the Zlatan Ibrahimovic tier for the gold members. And um, if you go on patreon.com slash nordicfootballpodcast, uh, which we'll be tweeting and obviously promoting in, in weeks to come, you'll see our tiers there and what you can get in return. And um, We have plans for things like an extra analysis show, um, betting tips, previews for people who really are um, aficionados of Scandinavian football. And yeah, anything that you guys want to contribute towards our, us producing this show will be reinvested. And so, you know, it's really going to go towards helping us um, with time and, and our resources to to bring you an even better show. And I think, you know, Swedish football and Norwegian football, from my point of view, it's become a real passion of mine, to be honest, since moving out there. And um, I think there is real potential in both leagues. Um, and I think now, we will probably try and emphasise a bit more on Danish and football as well and maybe other Nordic leagues, but um, I do think those leagues are growing at the moment and I think it's it's nice that we've found a community of people and supporters who who have um, kind of joined us so far and we've you know we've really enjoyed creating that little community and yeah. Yeah, anyone who wants to kind of support us 
in a financial way is, is really going to help uh, to, to bring you more. And we've got some really interesting interviews. We've been doing some real good planning over the last few weeks, haven't we, Steve? Some good conversations. We've got some really good guests lined up for 2018. So, yeah, as we say, you know, anything that you do uh, wish, if you do wish to reward us, then there's a way to do that now. So, um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about the upcoming 2018 season of the pod, mate? Are you excited? I'm really excited. Like I said, we want to do this every week now. I mean, last year there were times when we could do it, you know, two or three weeks in a row, but then something came up. You know, it's the time, resources, things like that. We want to improve the quality of the um, audio, potentially, uh, get better guests on, uh, just be more consistent with our uh, the amount of uh, shows we bring out, you know. Well, once a week, that'd be great, and, and, and possibly some extra ones going forward as well if we get enough backing you know and one other thing i want to say if anyone wants he wants to sponsor the the show um then get in touch with us absolutely get in touch with us we've got these three tiers on uh on patreon that you can potentially support us on you don't have to that's the the, the one thing i really don't want to do is uh, is say oh you have to you have to give us money to listen to us no way um you know it's for those who just for those who can afford to do that and want to help us out. But anything you can give, I really do appreciate it very much. So just to remind you, there'll be loads of links uh, that you can click on anyway, but uh, patreon.com forward slash Nordic football podcast. And um, as I said before, keep an eye out for the Jamie Hopcut interview on our new YouTube channel. And if you would prefer to listen to these podcasts from YouTube in the future, then keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, so that's it for episode one of 2018 look forward to coming back next week and uh, the big game on thursday john you going to be watching it anywhere special no unfortunately i won't be in northern sweden although i would love to have gone to that game to be honest but uh from what i heard there was more than 90 press requests for the match um and apparently ostersons have had to build a mini stand or something to accommodate all the all the media which they've never experienced before and so that gives you a bit of insight into how big this is for the town of Ostersons. Um, I'll probably be on my couch or somewhere in a bar. I don't know yet. I haven't decided, but uh, yeah, I really can't wait for the game. I think it's like a cup final for us really, isn't it, as a podcast? And yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get to the second leg. Um, just before we end, don't forget we've got a Facebook page, uh, Nordic Football Podcast. You can just, you know, check that up on Facebook and give us a like. You can follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. And yeah, as, as Steve mentioned, the Patreon link there if you do wish to kind of contribute with a few beers for us uh, to help us out and we'll be yeah tweeting the link to the pod when it's released and um yeah been a really good show i've enjoyed it and uh, we're back now we, for 2018 yeah look forward to uh, doing it next week again john um so take care everyone and we'll see you then goodbye <laughs>